Today I'll be preaching in the book of Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. And I'll be reading from verse 1 down to verse number 9. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pained to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, and it cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for the wonderful privilege we have to look into your word. We thank you for your blessings, mercy, and grace upon our lives. And the fact that you would love us with such a sacrificial and unconditional love. Lord, I pray that as your word goes forth today, that you would use it to speak to every heart, to challenge us in our walk with you, but that you would open up our spiritual eyes and give us wisdom, discernment, and understanding that you're still God and you're moving and working in this earth for your honor and for your glory. Pray that each and every person would place you on his or her heart, throne of every heart, and that you would rule and reign as you desire. Take full control, have your divine way. May some lost soul be saved. And may every believer be challenged to take a closer walk with you. Give me the words you love me to say. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit that I may preach what thus said the Lord. And we'll be careful to praise you and give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You will be seated. Wars and conflicts between people groups, nations, and at times community gangs have existed for nearly as long as time itself. And it can require that one peel back the pages of history for centuries to understand the causes and the motives for these wars. Oftentimes, I'm convinced that as these wars continue on for years and decades and centuries, I believe that even the individuals involved in these wars often probably lose sight of 
what initiated these wars in the first place. But as these wars continue on, it is clear to see that the fighters in the war are often firmly convinced that their cause, their motive is justified. In other words, that they are on the side of right and doing what is appropriate and what is necessary because of what has been done to them. And the other participants are on the side of wrong. It is for this reason that the wars rage on with seemingly no end in sight to the conflict. The perspective of the participants are fueled by opposing views. And they are fully convinced that they are on the side of right. And the other is on the side of wrong. But let me say here today that, my friend, there is another war that is raging. And this war is very different to the other wars. In that, one side in this war is 100% right. And the other side in this war is 100% right wrong. And this is because of this fact that this war is indeed a war of right versus wrong. It is a war of good versus evil. This, my friend, is a spiritual war. It is the ultimate cause for every other war that is taking place on earth. This war affects all of humanity. It affects our marriages. It affects our homes. It affects our schools, our workplaces, our communities, our nations. My friend, there is not one aspect of this world that this war has not touched. There is no aspect of our existence that this war does not have an impact. And as such, my friend, Hear me, hear me well, that you and I, man, woman, boy, or girl, we have an obligation to understand the realities of this war, the impact of this war, because failure to do so would sadly result in being a casualty of this war. It is for this reason that God laid on my heart a number of weeks ago to begin this series entitled, a war is raging. And my friend, I don't use those words lightly because this war, it is truly raging in a way that it seems like it has not before. And it continues to consume lives. Lives for all eternity. We've examined that this war is indeed a, a conflict of the ages. It began even prior to the beginning of time. And there are some realities that we must understand and be aware of to fully grasp why we are where we are. There are some realities that, that existed prior to this conflict even starting. It's important to understand the involved parties. God himself, the one true living God of the universe, is involved in this conflict. 
And his arch rival, my friend, is none other than Lucifer, Satan, the devil. And this war, imagine, began in heaven. In a perfect place. In a perfect environment. But it happened because God gave his created beings the power to choose. The power to choose right from wrong. These were the realities that existed prior to this conflict. But we moved on and we looked at the reason for this conflict. And we observed that this conflict initiated in the heart. It was initiated by pride. Pride, my friend, is nurtured and birthed in the heart. It was initiated by pride and we saw as well that when pride burns in the heart, it then seeks to influence others. This pride led to influence, which is paramount. We saw last week that, that, that Satan, who was the initiator, he sought to pursue support. It was not enough for him alone to desire to ascend to the throne. He needed other helpers. They say there's power in numbers. And he sought to influence and to pursue support. And his strategy, as we observed last week, which we won't go into detail, when he initiated his support, he, he planned and strategized that his influence would spread among those who he sought to influence. Why? Because he wants to create an environment for rebellion. Do you know that Satan loves discontentment? He loves confusion. And he seeks to, to create a distraction away from worshiping the one true living God. And so he's setting the stage. So I want you to notice today, as we continue on in looking at the reason for this conflict, we observe that it's initiated by pride. We saw that, that influence is paramount. But it leads to the third thing, which notice with me in Revelation chapter 12, that when you have a setting where there's discontentment, where you have a setting where there is a distraction, notice, thirdly, that insurrection takes place. In other words, war breaks out. There's rebellion. The re environment has been carefully and strategically created to ensure that this would be the result. My friend, when war breaks out, understand that it has started prior in the heart, but this is always the goal. And we want to look closely at what happens when this takes place. Keep in mind, and stay with me, that this rebellion that I'm speaking of is taking place, not on earth, but in heaven. But yet... We're going to use the pages of scripture to see how it evolved. And you say, Pastor, do you have a text and a passage that's going to show us how this rebellion evolved in heaven? We don't have any detailed accounts. 
But we're going to look at a passage in the word of God and observe how it came about. He said, Pastor, how are we going to do that? Well, let me help you understand that the same spirit of rebellion that precipitated a war of the ages is the same spirit that's utilized on earth for rebellion. You see, my friend, the same spirit means the same MO. The same method of operation. You will observe with me, as we look at it shortly, that the patterns are the same. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and you'll, you'll see something with me before we look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and verse 32 and 33. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and verse 32 and 33. Understand the context of this is that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth where there was mass confusion. All kinds of problems that had, had, had come about in this church. And he used this entire epistle practically to deal with problems in the church. And in verse number 32, he says, And the spirits of the prophets are subjects to the prophets. So understand that the church is a, an environment where, where spiritual business takes place. And oftentimes there are evil spirits and sometimes there are good spirits. And he's dealing with them. And for those who would do activity and actually say, ah, by the spirit got a hold of me and I caused me to do something crazy. He says, listen, the spirit of the subject, the subject of the prophets are subject to the prophets. But notice verse number 33, because he's speaking in a spiritual context. Then he says, for God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all churches of the saints. Now I want to make a conclusion from this statement. He's saying whatever confusion you're having in this church, God who is a spirit is not the author of it. You know who is the author of it? Satan. Lucifer, the devil. And so when you see it in church, listen, my friend, is a blueprint that's being followed. And so we're going to look at 2 Samuel chapter 15, and I want you to observe with me, and we'll draw parallels between the same blueprint of rebellion that took place in heaven with a rebellion that took place in the nation of Israel. 2 Samuel chapter 15, and we don't have time to look at all the verses, uh, and I trust that you might be somewhat familiar with this story here, but it's a story of Absalom, and the background, of course, we understand that and know that Absalom was King David's son. And he was disgruntled. He was upset with his father for not having addressed certain issues in the family as he thought he would, should have, and his sister had been raped. David did not do much to address it. He took matters into his own hands. Absalom did. He was exiled from Israel for a couple of years. Came back and his father refused to see him. And the anger stirred up in his heart. And he plans a rebellion against his own father, David. And I want you to notice what the Bible says. Look with me at the spirit of rebellion. The Bible says in 
Verse number 1. And it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so, look at this, that when any man had had a controversy, came to the king for judgment. Then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, all oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath a suit against or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, and he brought forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. You see the strategy? Satan did the same thing as we saw last week in heaven. He stole the hearts of people. But I want you to notice as it relates to this war that broke out. Notice first of all, what has started in the heart, what is unseen to the naked eye, now shows itself as open conflict. Open conflict. Notice that in verse number 10 to 12, Absalom challenges the leadership of David and uses people who are unsuspecting. He takes David's counselor, Ahithophel, who was already disgruntled. Look at these verses. But Absalom sent spies throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, as soon as he hear the sound of the trumpet, then he shall say, Absalom reigneth in Hebron. And with Absalom went 200 men out of Jerusalem that were called. And they went in their simplicity and they knew not anything. And Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, even from Gil Gilho. Which where he, while he offered sacrifices and the conspiracy was strong. For the people increased continually with Absalom. My friend, this thing that had started in the heart, this thing that was unseen, uh, evolved and now burst into an open conflict. The rebellion has started. My friend, when it comes to the spiritual war, understand that attitudes that were under, under the surface have now come out in the open. Here's what we ought to take from this. Resentment and attitudes of pretense can only go on for so long. Eventually they will become visible and they will showcase themselves as conflict. This is how the rebellion evolved in heaven, my friend. And I say to every single man, woman, boy, or girl, identify rebellion first of all in your heart when it's taking place. Because my friend, it does not stay there. First Samuel chapter 15 and verse 23 says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And notice what rebellion is because oftentimes we might think that, that rebellion is something that, that, that is far more sinister and far more evil and ha, ha, has a heart of and a desire to be able to destroy someone. But listen to what 1 Samuel 15, 23 says rebellion is. He says, continuing, because thou hast rejected the word of the 
Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. So in short, what is rebellion? Rebellion is rejecting what thus saith the Lord. It doesn't matter what God says. I'm going to do what I want to do, my friend. That is rebellion. And here you have Absalom who challenges David, the king. The anointed one. The one who God had put in place. So we observe here the open conflict. What was in the heart had now become evident by action. But notice secondly, not only the open conflict, but notice order is compromised. The kingdom of Israel was now in chaos. Verse number 13, the Bible says, And there came a messenger to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are after Absalom. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee, for we shall not escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us and smite the city with the edge of the sword. So understand that this rebellion is now evident and now the order of the kingdom is compromised. The king and his servants now have to leave their place of service to flee into the wilderness. The order of the kingdom has been disruptive, disrupted. My friend, here's what rebellion does. It brings about confusion. It brings about chaos. I hate to have to say this, but it is true. Do you know that there are some people who actually love confusion? You say, Pastor, that sounds harsh. But I'm telling you, it is a fact. There's some people who the spirit thrives on confusion. Listen, when things are going well, they're not excited. But when there is confusion and mess, listen, it, 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 it drives their soul. But that is because, as took place in heaven, there was initial discontent with who was in charge. You see, my friend, Satan had a problem with God. And he wanted to start confusion because if confusion erupts, then it becomes, in his mind, an indictment of who's on the throne. He had a problem with the leadership. And Satan wanted open rebellion. And imagine this Satan got a third of the angels to join him in the rebellion because he wanted to overthrow God. This was a power grab for Satan. I have to wonder if Satan really and truly thought that he was going to get the job done. But such, my friend, is the, is the nature of pride in the heart. My friend, be careful of what is being nurtured in your heart. This open conflict led to order being compromised. But I want you to notice, thirdly, something that is so critically important. And this is where 
the rubber meets the road, as it is said, for every single person when it comes to this matter of rebellion. Whether you are the one who initiated it or whether you are influenced by those who try to initiate and start confusion, understand this, my friend, that when rebellion evolves, jot this down, you have an obligation to choose. You have a choice to make. Just as every angel in heaven, when this conflict became evident, they had a choice to decide where they were going to stand. Whose side they were going to stand on. And a third of the angels made a choice to side with Satan and two-thirds sided with God. Now for those of you who did math in school, and I'm sure you did this, you didn't have to advance too far. But one-third plus two-thirds equal a whole or three-thirds. Amen? So one-third plus two-thirds equals all. What that tells me is that there was nobody left out. You are either with Satan or you're with God. My friend, when it comes to the obligation to choose, there is no middle ground. There is no neutrality. You're either with God or you're against God. Jesus speaking in Matthew's gospel chapter 12 and verse number 30. And I do want you to turn there because this verse is so very critical for every person to understand and to digest. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30. Jesus speaking after being challenged about his role and his allegiance and who he is with. These numbskull Pharisees come to him and say, uh, you're casting out devils by, by the Beelzebub, by the prince of devils. I mean, Jesus is like, what utter nonsense. I'm going to be casting out Satan and the money side. And then he gets down to verse number 30 and he says, he that is not with me is against me. He that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. He says, if you're not on my side, you are on the other side. If you are not working for me, you are working against me. My friend, this tells me that when it comes to this matter of spiritual warfare, you have to make a choice as to where you are and you must make a choice that says categorically, unashamedly, unreservedly, I am on the side of God and guess what? It means that because we are born in sin, you got to move from where you are to get on God's side. And if you don't move, guess whose side you're on? Turn with me to Jude, which is the book just before Revelation. It has one chapter, and I want you to notice verse number six. Now, 
Now, in the angels' case, they were not born into sin as we are. They were born, or not born, but created on the side of right, if you will. But look at verse number six. The Bible says, and the angels which kept not their first estate. In other words, they were created in holiness. They were created in righteousness, just as Adam and Eve were. But we didn't have the privilege of Adam and Eve. We were plunged into sin as humanity. But look at what the angels did. They left their own habitation. They left the side of God and they made a conscious choice to side with Satan. And look, my friend, it says he hath reserved in, in everlasting chains on the darkness unto the judgment of the great day. My friend, understand, when it comes to the spiritual war, you got to make up your mind at where you are going to stand. And the other two-thirds made a choice as well. They said, Satan... We're not coming with you. We're on the side of God. Notice reference to them in 1 Timothy chapter 5. I want you to understand that this is a real event. This is something that took place. This is why we are where we are in this world of sin. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 21. Look at Paul referencing these good angels. He says, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this. And the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. He says elect angels, not that God elected them and said, you are the ones who are going to be on my side. But because they made a choice of right, they were elect of God to be confirmed in righteousness power to choose. My friend, if you don't take a stand for right, you would be swallowed up by the wrong. There's an obligation to choose in this spiritual war just as there was in heaven. But notice finally this morning that this obligation to choose that is so pivotal it leads to obvious consequences. Back in Revelation chapter 12 that we read in our text, notice that Satan was cast out of heaven. Verse number 7 says, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, the Satan, and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil. And Satan, which deceived the whole world, he was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Back in Jude, verse number 6, the Bible says, those angels which left and kept not their first estate, left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day. My friend, the choice that you make and the choice that you must make to choose God has consequences. 
Back in 2 Samuel chapter 18, this rebellion that was initiated by Absalom had major consequences. Absalom felt in his heart that he was justified because he had been hurt. But the rebellion led to his demise. In 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse number 14, I want you to notice, and there's so much that happened in this rebellion, but we don't have time to go through all of the details. But Absalom realized that the rebellion was going against him. Ahithophel, who was David's counselor. See how this spirit works? He knew that Absalom knew that Ahithophel was disgruntled. And you know why Ahithophel was disgruntled? He was Bathsheba's grandfather. And David did that wicked deed against his granddaughter. Killed her husband in battle. And committed adultery with his granddaughter. David was wrong for what he did. God judged him. He got right with God. And Ahithophel is still disgruntled. And Absalom targets the one who is hurt and upset and disgruntled and eventually dismisses Ahithophel's counsel and Ahithophel commits suicide. And Absalom is defeated in this battle and he's running away on a mule and he's now hanging on an oak tree. The Bible says in verse number 10, and then it picks up in verse number 12. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekel of silver in my hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king charged thee an Abishai that Atai, saying, and Atai, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. But Absalom, Joab, 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 who is David's commander in army, says, Listen, I'm not going to be so nice. And in verse number 14, he says, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them to the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And the ten young men that bear Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. Joab blew the trumpet and the people returned from pursuing after Israel for Joab held back the people and they took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid a very great heap of stones upon him and all Israel fled everyone to his tent. My friend, rebellion has consequences. The same spirit of rebellion that existed in heaven is the same spirit that took hold of Absalom's heart. And this rebellion in heaven has brought consequences on all humanity. This is just the beginning. This is just the start of a conflict for the ages. And my friend, we must open up our spiritual eyes to understand that this war, my friend, it is raging on. And the more we recognize it in its impacts, the better we are able to avoid its devastating consequences. Don't be naive. 
Don't be clueless. Satan does not play fear. Can you imagine that just as Absalom prayed on the heart of Ahithophel, who you would think from a human standpoint is justified for his anger against David, yet David is spared because of his repentance towards God and Ahithophel commits suicide. All because of negative and destructive and evil influence. against God. The spiritual war is serious business. Be conscious, be conscious and cognizant of how it operates, how it works, how it initiated in the heart and how it picks up steam and fuel from evil influences. And it burst on the scene in the form of chaos and confusion. Determine where you're going to stand. Determine where your allegiance is going to lie. We're going to have problems. We're going to have difficulties. But it ought to be resolved with an attitude of humility. And as one does not love confusion and chaos and disruption because at the end of the day our ultimate desire ought to be for peace and worship to God and adoration for the one who is always right and may God help us to understand the realities of this war that is raging and to choose God every single day.